Hello world, this is Roger Corvale and this is For the Hope. Here we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. So if you want collusion, today is the day. Hey, hopeful. Welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we consider our stories in light of God's story in a way that I trust all points to Jesus. And in our closing reflection segment today, we're going to tie in a collusion story with what is unfolding in the Old Testament. And please, please, please don't read more into that old collusion comment than intended. But we're going to hear a collusion story. We continue with the story of Paul in Jerusalem. And Paul just got Jerusalem's highest ruling council of 72 dudes, the Sanhedrin, all in a tizzy by noticing the issue, or noting the issue at stake, right? The resurrection of the dead. And as you've heard me say, if the resurrection of Jesus happened, everything changes. And if it didn't, nothing else matters. Anyway... They are all getting tizzified. The Roman commander's worried about Paul and whisks him away to safety. Jesus assures Paul that everything will be all right for the moment because his mission isn't done. And now, a little collusion. When it was morning, uh, sorry, (laughs) just keeping it real here. Acts 23, picking up in verse 12. When it was morning, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who had formed this plot. These men went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a solemn curse that we won't eat anything until we have killed Paul. So now you, along with the Sanhedrin, make a request to the commander that he bring him down to you as if you were going to investigate his case more thoroughly. But before he gets near, we are ready to kill him. But the son of Paul's sister, hearing about their ambush, came and entered the barracks and reported it to Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander, because he has something to report to him. So he took him, brought him to the commander, and said, The prisoner Paul called me and asked me to bring this young man to you, because he has something to tell you. The commander took him by the hand, led him aside, and inquired privately, What is it you have to report to me? The Jews, he said, have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the Sanhedrin tomorrow, as though they are going to hold a somewhat more careful inquiry about him. Don't let them persuade you, because there are more than 40 of them lying in ambush, men who have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they have killed him. Now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the commander dismissed the young man and instructed him, Don't tell anyone that you have informed me about this. He summoned two of his centurions and said, Get 200 soldiers ready and with 70 cavalry and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Also provide mounts to ride so that Paul may be brought safely to Felix the governor. And he wrote the following letter. Claudius Lysias to the most excellent governor Felix, greetings. When this man had been seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them, I arrived with my troops and rescued him because I learned that he is a Roman citizen. If you remember the unfolding of events, they did not not rescue Paul because they knew he was a Roman citizen. 
Remember that? So, politics, right? I arrived with my troops and rescued him because I learned that he is a Roman citizen. Wanting to know the charge they were accusing him of, I brought him down before their Sanhedrin, and I found out that the accusations were concerning questions of their law, and that there was, was no charge that merited death or imprisonment. When I was informed that there was a plot against the man, I sent him to you right away. I also ordered his accusers to state their case against him in your presence. So the soldiers took Paul during the night and brought him to Antipartus, Patras, as they were ordered. And the next day they returned to the barracks, allowing the cavalry to go on with him. When these men entered Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. And after he read it, he asked that the prov- what province Paul was from. And when he learned he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing whenever your accusers also get here. He ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. And that, my friends, gets us up through verse 35 and the end of chapter 23. So in our Old Testament segment, we take a significant turn. Broadly speaking, there's been a whole lot of calling out dudes in power. But even still, the message has been one of restoration. As we heard God put it yesterday, I've put before you the path to life and the path to death. Well, and you know how that's turning out. We also heard that God intends to be faithful to his side of the covenant, restoring the portion of the people uh, who are in exile in Babylon, restoring them to the promised land, And here, my friends, is one of the most prescient types or foreshadows of Jesus and heaven. And the next couple days in Jeremiah will unfold one of the clearest anticipations of the new covenant in all of the Old Testament. Jeremiah 30 and 31. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Write on a scroll all the words that I have spoken to you. For look, the days are coming, this is the Lord's declaration, when I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord, I will restore them to the land I gave to their ancestors, and they will possess it. These are the words the Lord spoke to Israel and Judah. This is what the Lord says, We have heard a cry of terror, of dread. There is no peace. Ask and see whether a male can give birth. Why then do I see every man with his hands on his stomach like a woman in labor, and every face turned pale? How awful that day will be. There will be no other like it. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob, but he will be saved out of it. On that day, this is the Lord's declaration, I will break the yoke from your neck. I will tear off your chains, and strangers will never again enslave him. They will serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. As for you, my servant Jacob, do not be afraid. This is the Lord's declaration. And do not be discouraged, Israel, for without fail I will save you out of a distant place, your descendants from their land of captivity. Jacob will return and have calm and quiet, and no one will frighten him. For I will be with you, this is the Lord's declaration, to save you. I will bring destruction on all the nations where I have scattered you. However, I will not bring destruction on you. I will discipline you justly 
and I will by no means leave you unpunished. For this is what the Lord says, Your injury is incurable, your wound most severe. You have no defender in your case. There is no remedy for your sores and no healing for you. All your lovers have forgotten you. They no longer look for you. For I have struck you as an enemy would with the discipline of someone cruel because of your enormous guilt and your innumerable sins. Why do you cry out about your injury? Your pain has no cure. I have done these things to you because of your enormous guilt and your innumerable sins. Nevertheless, all who devoured you will be devoured. All your adversaries, all of them, will go off into exile. Those who plunder you will be plundered, and all who raided, raid you will be raided. But I will bring you health, and I will heal all of your wounds. This is the Lord's declaration. For they will call you outcast, Zion, whom no one cares about. This is what the Lord says. I will certainly restore the fortunes of Jacob's tents and show compassion on his dwellings. Every city will be rebuilt on its mound. Every citadel will stand on its proper site. Thanksgiving will come out of them, a sound of rejoicing. I will multiply them and they will not decrease. I will honor them and they will not be insignificant. His children will be as in past days. His congregation will be established in my presence. I will punish all his oppressors. Jacob's leader will be one of them. His ruler will issue from him. I will invite him to me and he will approach me. For who would otherwise risk his life to approach me? This is the Lord's declaration. You will be my people and I will be your God. Look. A storm from the Lord. Wrath has gone out, a churning storm. It will whirl about the heads of the wicked. The Lord's burning anger will not turn back until he completely fulfilled the promises of his heart. In time to come, you will understand it. At that time, this is the Lord's declaration, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says, The people who survived the sword found favor in the wilderness. When Israel went to find rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued to extend faithful love to you. Again, I will build you so that you will be rebuilt, virgin Israel. You will take up your tambourines again and go out in joyful dancing. You will plant vineyards again on the mountains of Samaria. The planters will plant and it will enjoy the fruit. For there will be a day when watchmen will call out in the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come, let's go up to Zion to the Lord our God. For this is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Proclaim, praise, and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Watch, I am going to bring them from the northern land. I will gather them from remote regions of the earth. The blind and the lame will be with them, along with those who are pregnant and those about to give birth. They will return here as a great assembly. They will come weeping, but I will bring them back with consolation. I will lead them to wadis filled with water by a smooth way where they will not stumble. 
for I am Israel's father, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Nations, hear the word of the Lord and tell it among the far coasts and islands. Say, the one who scattered Israel will gather him. He will watch over him as a shepherd guards his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and redeemed him from the power of one stronger than he. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. There will be, they will be radiant with joy because of the Lord's goodness, because of the grain, the new wine, the fresh oil, and because of the young of the flocks and herds. Their life will be like an irrigated garden, and they will no longer grow weak from hunger. Then the young women will rejoice with dancing, while young and old men rejoice together. I will turn their mourning into joy, give them consolation, and bring happiness out of grief. I will refresh the priests with abundance, and my people will be satisfied with my goodness. This is the Lord's declaration. And this is what the Lord says. A voice was heard in Ramah. Lament with bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. This is what the Lord says. Keep your voice from weeping, your eyes from tears. For the reward for your work will come. This is the Lord's declaration. And your children will return from the enemy land. There is hope for your future. This is the Lord's declaration and your children will return to their own territory. I have surely heard Ephraim moaning, saying, You have disciplined me, and I have been disciplined like an untrained calf. Take me back so that I can return for you, Lord, are my God. After my return, I felt regret, and after I was instructed, I struck my thigh in grief. I was ashamed and humiliated because I bore the disgrace of my youth. Isn't Ephraim a precious son to me, a delightful child? Whenever I speak against him, I certainly still think about him. Therefore, my inner being yearns for him. I will truly have compassion on him. This is the Lord's declaration. Set up road markers for yourself. Establish signposts. Keep the highway in mind, the way you have traveled. Return, virgin Israel, return to these cities of yours. How long will you turn here and there, faithless daughter? For the Lord creates something new in the land. A female will shelter a man. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. When I restore their fortunes, they will once again speak this word in the land of Judah and its cities. They will say, May the Lord bless you, righteous settlement, holy mountain. Judah and all its cities will live in it together. Also farmers and those who move with the flocks. For I satisfy the thirsty person and feed all who are weak. At this I woke and looked around. My sleep had been most pleasant to me. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of people and the seed of animals, just as I watched over them to uproot and to tear them down, to demolish and to destroy and to cause disaster, so will I watch over them to build and to plant them. This is the Lord's declaration. 
In those days, it will never again be said, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Rather, each will die for his own iniquity. Anyone who eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. Here we go, my friends. Here's the gospel. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, this will will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke even though I am their master. (laughs) The Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. The Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. This is what the Lord says. The one who gives the sun for light by day the fixed order of moon and stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea and makes its waves roar, the Lord of armies is his name. If this fixed order departs before me, this is the Lord's declaration, only then will Israel's descendants cease to be a nation before me forever. This is what the Lord says. Only if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below explored will I reject the all of Israel's descendants because of all they done, they've done. This is the Lord's declaration. Look, the days are coming, the Lord's declaration, when the city from the tower of Hananel to the, to the corner gate will be rebuilt for the Lord. A measuring line will once again stretch out straight to the hill of Gareb and then turn toward Goa. The whole valley, the corpses, the ashes, and all the fields as far as the Kidron Valley to the corner of the horse gate to the east, all of it will be holy to the Lord. It will never again be uprooted or demolished. And my friends, that is a pretty powerful chapters 30 and 31. Uh, do you hear God's heart in there? Hmm. It is so easy to get bogged down in the Old Testament. When they just approached literature, well, because they weren't watching Yellowstone or <laughs> football, <laughs> right? So this is what this was the the lingua franca of the people. All right, quickie little Proverbs uh, wisdom segment today. Proverbs fourteen, picking up in verse thirteen. Even in laughter, a heart may be sad. And joy may end in grief. Mm. Uh, I'm going to just read that again. And re- then I'm going to tell you, remind me to send you, if you ask me for it, a link to this Elizabeth Elliot lecture series that was just beautiful about suffering. Even in laughter, a heart may be sad and joy may end in grief. I like that. My friends, the theme of God setting before us life and death isn't just something we read in Jeremiah yesterday. 
We hear that via Moses even earlier in the Old Testament, but even before that, yep, the forbidden tree in the Garden of Eden, the way of life and the way of death. But think about it. The ultimate promised land is the new heaven and earth, not just a restoration of Eden, but a transformation of the whole shooting match. And what stands before us today, even today, are two roads, life and death. We shouldn't, we should not be surprised that the forces of darkness and confusion and temptation collude to draw us to the road of death because, well, in the ultimate cosmic sense, their hearts are bent away from God and hell-bent, if you will, on taking others with them. Life and death, two roads. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.